You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. We've been doing a series on spiritual warfare. How many of you have been um, enjoying it? Amen. It's, all, it's okay to clap. It's all right. Or maybe only a few. All right. Amen. We'll take that. So today I'm going to touch more on um, the church standing together in spiritual warfare and unity. I really want to bring the heart of unity home. Um, really felt like uh, what God was saying to me uh, in the day and age we live in now, the opposition is coming after unity in every way possible. And we see it in the life of the church. We see it in families. You see it in your workplace. You see it in almost every, any sphere you're operating in where this thing of unity is being attacked. But I wanted to open up with this. Um, I often admire and I enjoy hearing Jody's uh, military stories, and um, I have an appreciation of it. I have family who also were in the military as well, but I just wanted to open up uh, in this manner. Today I'm going to talk about unity and standing together in spiritual warfare, and I'm convinced there is a spiritual deficit church uh, when war takes place. War casts such a darkness on the earth and one of the tragedies of war that young men and women will be killed. True, young men and women will lose their lives. And I remember as a young child in my own family hearing stories of my own family members sharing um, just some of the things they've encountered during the, you know, their times in the war. As a matter of fact, I had uh, one family member in world that, that served as a soldier in World War II and then another in the Vietnam War. And what's interesting about it, their stories were strikingly similar, very similar, each of them on opposite sides of my family. So it's not like they were able to share those stories. Even if they did, it's all right. But if they weren't together sharing those stories, two separate encounters where they shared about their experiences in war. And get this, I remember as a young child hearing each of those stories being strikingly similar and each of them witnessed soldiers dying next to them like their own lives could have been taken just within a fraction of just a little to the left or a little to the right, you know, that they turned next to the person and each one of them said, and I looked, this was their friend, I looked and the person was dead. That is heartbreaking to hear, right? Wow, that is so heartbreaking. What a tragedy and what a reality at the same time, right? But get this, but during war times, men and women join forces from various regions and communities, from large towns or small towns to fight decisions decided by powers that be that are far older than them. These are decisions decided by men that are far more far older than them making the decisions to go to war. Would any of you agree with that? So what I walked away with hearing those stories was this as well. As they stood next to these um, men during these most chaotic of times in a place of unity, despite indifferences, upbringing, and so on, and if you know anything about the history of World War II and even prior to that, we actually had segregated um, units, meaning men of color fought in one unit. Is that right, Jody? And then you had other men of other ethnicities fought 
Is that correct? And other and other things. So there was a line of segregation even in the military. Crazy to think. General Dwight Eisenhower, which was our 34th president, said this. He said, the United States, he said, the General Eisenhower said this, war is a terrible thing, but if you're going to get into it, you've got to get in it all the way. Oh, man, that, that is rough. I don't know about you guys. I tell you what, I had a friend of mine, I have to share the story with you. I have a friend of mine when I was a senior in high school, he went to a, uh, a military recruiting office, right? So the officer in charge or at this particular office began to get his information and then later on would call him and uh, I felt like he was more pressured than anything and how I know that because uh, I actually received a phone call from the officer. So he gave him my information and gave him my name. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> it's all about numbers, right? So, yeah, so I received a phone call. Uh, hey, uh, Kenneth, uh, you came here Saturday and just want to know if you can still come down here. I have another officer who's going to, you know, just kind of give you the, you know, just basically tell me what I need to do to enlist. And I'm like, drop the phone. I hung up. So, <laughs> so folks, Ephesians 6 says this. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, we're going to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, verse 10 through 17. And we've been reading this scripture, and I just want to say this. What Paul talks about here, this is good stuff. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. And when you are, and when your feet fitted with readiness, and with your feet fitted with readiness, that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hey, I know the next story I'm going to tell is going to set me up here. So I'm going to go ahead and, and get it over. My dad was a huge Western fan of movies. And so then many of his favorite shows, some of the Cowboys, not mistaken with the Dallas Cowboys. Okay, not mistaken with the Dallas Cowboys, right? We're often ambushed. I knew it, see? We're often ambushed. And I feel as if I'm setting myself up right now, right? And so, so but the Cowboys were in need of some help during, um, during a shootout, right? They were in need of some help. We need some help. Amen. And so they would often hold their ground until help arrived, if you ever watch Western movies. And when help arrived, they began to take ground or basically running after the opposition. Or the opposition would flee, and that would be the end of the story, and they would go in the saloon, and you know what happened then. All right. <laughs> but the Apostle Paul tells Christians to stand firm and we weren't called upon to fight, but to stand, church. We are called to stand and to take the stance of soldier in combat. To stand firm, to resist the enemy, to never retreat 
or back up. You know, that armor that he's talking about didn't have any protection in the back. So if you turn and you decided you want to run, good luck, buddy. You might get an arrow in the back there. Um, but what you actually supposed to do, you were supposed to just stand your ground and says, and Paul says this three times, and also the word resist comes from a Greek word to stand, meaning literally to stand against. It's a military term for holding on to a position that is under attack. It, it applies that courage to hold your ground. It implies that courage, you need to take a stand and courage to hold your ground because your allegiance is to King Jesus, everyone. Everyone in here, your allegiance is to King Jesus. Praise the Lord, man. Even when, uh, when, even when others may be fleeing from the battle because of the enemy seems so strong and so powerful, stand your ground. We see in the beginning of chapter 6, Paul tells us, finally means for the rest and shows that this section is built on what proceeds. And he says, Paul is saying, based upon your glorious position in Christ, in the light and worthy of the walk to which you are called, I want to conclude by explaining to you the serious conflict in which you are faith, which your faith necessarily engages in. Saying, in other words, your faith is going to engage you into this warfare, right? And it says, because you are fighting in the Lord's army, man, I want to just touch on this, church. Because in this chapter six, he's, he's, he's unpacking some things here. And he's talking about this thing, too, of spiritual realms, uh, spiritual entities that are operating in realms which one's eyes may or may not visibly see. I've come to realize there are people who are extremely, uh, you know, discerning. It doesn't mean that they discern more than others. This isn't uh, a comparison in, you know, what one is being given the ability equipped to uh, to be trusted with. You have to be trusted with this. So if you're trusted with it, it, it doesn't belong to the person to be able to, you know, to be able to discern what is actually going on in the spirit realm. And so I believe many of us often receive prophetic pictures, glimpses, visions, and dreams of things taking place in the spirit realm. I believe many of us have this. And often such revelations get this church are often dismissed. We often dismiss them as just simply as having a dream or epiphany of some sort. We just think of it as just, I was just simply having a dream. But I would just tell you, just be extremely discerning about what you're dreaming about. Um, I'll jump into the story. I remember having a dream uh, not that long ago that I got beat up physically. And the person that beat me up was this giant man. And he put his foot on my chest and literally covered the entire part of my body. I woke up out of the dream. I was definitely, I was shaking. I was shaking. I'll just say it that way. But what I wanted to do in my flesh, I wanted to jump back into the dream and defeat this person. I was like, give me the strength, Lord, in Jesus' name. <laughs> I wanted to go back into this dream, and I wanted to take this dude down, right? Because <laughs> he got me good. <laughs> but the Lord reminded me of something. He said, hey, that's not your fight. It's okay. <laughs> You're all right. It's not your fight. And I'm like. All right, so I don't have to wake Annette up right now. Right, so I just carried on. <laughs> she probably wouldn't have worn, yeah, I'm not going to go there. 
All right, so we often dismiss such dreams as just basically as, you know, if it's some sort of epiphany, you know, of some sort, but not necessarily the case, you know. Um, <clears throat> personal testimony. Over 30 plus years ago in my own life, I was standing in a grocery store line and, and this person, this gentleman approached me and this gentleman was sacking groceries. Bizarre, right? Sacking groceries and singing at the same time. He's singing, his singing immediately drew my attention to him. And while he was singing, I was just staring at him. And, and what crossed my mind, why are you so joyful, man? You sacking groceries, bro. Like, what is going on? Like, you know, I'm thinking, I mean, this is a long line, right? And so this gentleman eventually walked towards me out of the line from singing, sacking groceries, having a, you know, a jolly good time there. And then he asked me my name. And I said, my name is Kenneth. And he proceeded to tell me this. He said, God told me you would become one of his warriors fighting in his army. Like David. He went on to say, God is going to use you to be part of his vast army. He said, vast. He says, to preach the word of God and to lead others to follow Jesus. And I believe this gentleman asked if I heard of David. And honestly, I know for a fact I told him I heard of David, but I didn't really hear. I didn't know who David was. I didn't even know what he was talking about. I just said, yeah, I heard of David. And only David I had knew of, or the name rather, was a cartoon. The cartoon character name was Davy, and the dog name was Goliath. So that was the only David, close to David, that I knew then. And so I told him, yes, I do know who David is. Well, I really didn't know. But he said this thing, vast army. And that really struck a chord with me over the years as I began to process that. And this man, oh, Lord, am I so thankful for him because this faithful man, obedient servant of God, operating as a mighty warrior, faithful warriors save, you know, faithful warriors save lives and rescue they rescue folks from the jaws of death, man. They plant seeds of faith and water the soils of the hearts. Such people walk in faith to deliver the good news. And Jude, he says this, says, save others by snatching them from the fire. And still others show mercy tempered with fear, hating even the clothing stained by the flesh. But what is this thing of a vast army? The word army is intriguing. As I mentioned, there's Gideon's mighty army. God reduced his army to 300 soldiers to fight against the Midianites. As Abraham defeated a king whose army outnumbered him by thousands to rescue Lot. And David's mighty men were so skilled they could fight with either hand. Yeah, that's some serious skill there. Uh, there's the prophetess Deborah who challenged tribes in the surrounding regions uh, to participate in the fight against the Canaanites. Like, they, like they're challenging, come down here, fight, you know. And so we see in Exodus chapter 17, folks, verse 11 through 16, the nation of Israel went into battle with the Amalekites, picking up at verse 11. As long as Moses' uh, arms were held up, the Israelites won the battle. But when his arms went down, the Amalekites started winning. And when Moses' arms grew tired, Aaron and Ur brought a stone for him to sit on while they stood beside him and helped his arms, holding them steady until the sun went down. And in this way, Joshua totally defeated the Amalekites. 
It says, and then the Lord said to Moses, write an account of this victory so that it would be remembered. Tell Joshua that I will completely destroy the Amalekites. And Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner, right? And he said, hold high the banner of the Lord. The Lord, continue, the Lord will continue to fight against the Amalekites forever. And the Lord is my banner, Jehovah. And he said, the Lord is my banner. Church, the Lord your banner. Is the Lord your banner? Do you believe that? The Lord is your banner. The Lord is your banner. There's, a, there's estimated that like some 2 million Jews were in the wilderness. And you would think of this as a sign of unity, but not necessarily so because, but in that, not, not necessarily the case, there were grumblings inside the camp. If you read into this Exodus, Exodus account, there were grumblings inside the camp that Moses faced. I mean, these people were to the point they wanted to stone him to death. Vicious, man, right? And then there were the grumblings outside the camp. You know, the Amalekites, man, weren't their friends at all. They wanted to attack them. So grumblings inside the camp, grumblings outside the camp. You know, why should the church stand together in unity? Well, we're no match for the enemy by ourselves. Absolutely. We are no match for the enemy by ourselves. The enemy is a creative foe with extreme power. And I don't want anyone in here to be afraid. I don't want that. I don't want you to be afraid or live in fear. But as, in, as an encouragement to be at peace, first of all, with God. We're talking about unity now. To be at peace with God and to be at peace with one another. To be at peace with one another. See, if the kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. So understand this about the spirit, the spiritual realm. It is real. It is as real as the order of creation. We didn't see the first man Adam created, but each of us, but each of us are seeds from the first man and the first woman. And the world will attempt to persuade that man was created. Uh, this thing, this theory of science from the theory of evolution, right? So there are many views on creation, but outside of the Trinity, the views are just simply that. They are just views. They are opinions uh, centered on unbelief. Answer this question for yourselves, church. Do you believe there is, there is a heaven? Yes, you do, right? You believe in heaven. Then the other reality, there is definitely a place called hell. How does God feel about hell? God didn't create hell for, uh, for mankind, but the spirit realm is not that place. It's not hell. It is designed for the church only to know in part about the realm, only in part. It says uh, we're not fully there to know exactly what is taking place, and we won't know. It says what until eternity. But what does, what does in part mean? In part means this, any knowledge given to the church by God through someone with the gift of knowledge uh, is just a tiny slice in the scheme of life. It's just a tiny slice of all there is to know of God. In similar way, any revelation from God to the church through someone with the gift of prophecy, only church only reveals a small window, an enormous picture of all there is to be told about who God is and what he will accomplish 
But what a privilege and a responsibility, church, to have access to God, right? So with that in mind, church, with that in mind, we are not at war against people. We aren't at war against the government. We aren't at war against this thing of social injustice, the racisms that we see, that we encounter. We are not uh, in war with a failing economy or fraud education system, the mental health crisis or a drug uh, epidemic in our city. The war isn't against husband, wives, sons and daughters, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, and even the church. We are not at war with the church. We are called by God, folks, to walk together in unity. And in Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to just turn there, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6, the Apostle Paul says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. <clears throat> A defenseless Christian church, I want to just, there's many different signs of this, but I want to just touch on this in particular. A defenseless Christian, meaning no fellowship, no, fellowship, no place of fellowship, is actually, let me just go back here, sorry about that, is someone walking out of covering, the covering of God, not walking in the covering of God. We are definitely a sending church, meaning we are a church that models um, sending, anyone, sending our loved ones, our brothers and sisters, to be a part of another ministry for more. But when we begin to see this is one of the schemes I really want to just, just land right in here for a bit. When we begin to see the, the church, the people of God, become divided or leave on different fractions, but also this thing, leaving on this thing of uh, life adventures, like business adventures, opportunities, those things, those are great, and we definitely want to support that. But we want to ask uh, as a church if we can even be in partnership, I'm asking, we can be in partnership that we can navigate as a local church. We can navigate because we witnessed it. You can, and we've witnessed it as well, too. We can begin to navigate as a church those things. We can put healthy banks in place. So when there's an opportunity to be a part of another ministry, that you actually are walking right under covering again. Does that make sense? You're still in unity. And I think one of the things what happens when folks walk out of the unity of God is that it often comes like in a form of uh, like this itchy ear sort of uh, just prompting where um, it, it sounds good and it looks good. It almost reminds me when Jesus is te tempted in the wilderness, when Satan is presenting to him um, this, the kingdom of the world. And I believe it comes in the form of temptation, but also it comes in the form of teaching. Like uh, I really just believe like the, uh, the prosperity message has done some serious damage, man, in the life of the church. And so that is a form of teaching that we hear in the life of the church. I mean, sometimes we, the, the, the person who is preaching the message becomes the most admired of, the, of, of more than God. 
And, and when we see those things taking place, like when Jesus was tempted with the word by Satan, he was tempted, you know, but in many ways, there's teachings, as I was saying, there's teachings that sort of like, you know, the name, the claimant, the prosperity message that will lend you to believe that, you know, God wants me to have all he wants me to have so I can, you know, go out and pursue my adventures absolutely for, without any covering, man. That, that's, to me, that's detrimental to the body when I hear that, you know, that's frightening for me. Um, I have many friends, and I love them dearly, that, that are under covering but extremely prophetic. Honestly, folks, I tend to listen at face value. What I mean by that, I don't necessarily listen to it. I hear it. But if you're not walking in covering, uh, and I do believe you can receive words from God. If you're not walking in covering, you're receiving a word from the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Those prophetic words often mean I just sort of just dismiss it and, and not really weigh those things up. Uh, because there's a fracture in there where the fracture is, is that the folks begin to start letting you in on their uh, position with the church ah. and then their position with God and then where they are with God and then the people of God. You can hear there's some fractured wounds in there. And th those to me, those are signs that there needs to be healing in there. I don't necessarily want to weigh those things up and take those prophetic words at face value. Does that make sense, church? All right. So defenseless Christians um, often do not have covering, meaning a place of fellowship. Uh, like I say, examples, walking out of covering, we are sending church, meaning we are a church that models that. Um, Annette and I had some friends, a uh, couple was extremely gifted, man, and just had so much potential, a young couple. And the husband um, drew a good salary. This is around 20 years ago, drew an extremely good salary, man. It would be good today, 20 years ago. Today, the salary would be good. Um, took a position. Um, in a whole nother region and, and made, you know, increased his salary even more. Uh, wife, beautiful wife, stay-at-home mom, uh, beautiful family, beautiful kids, that good-looking family, period. So uh, there was a package deal in there. He relocated, right, because also um, he wanted to be uh, near his favorite football team so he can have season tickets. Just, we just want to throw that in there so he can have some season tickets where his favorite football team played. Oh, uh, yeah, what a draw. I tell you what, I even benefited from some of those games as well. But uh, <laughs> just keeping it real, church. So, hey, the tragedy, right, the tragedy behind it is this. Oh, I'm not going to go into detail. That stay-at-home mom, man, eventually began to pursue another career. Woo. Let me tell you, her income outgrew his income maybe by three or four times. Let me tell you, that marriage ended in divorce. And, and I want to tell you the sad part about it, those kids were, were damaged to no end. And I think that package is often presented a little bit differently for, for any of us. I have friends in Texas that are in the oil business. Man, when there's there's times it seems like at the right time they come calling me and say, hey, man, there's an opportunity or you want to move back? No. Because you got to understand it's about the call of God, man. It's about the call of God in your life. And often what happens, the enemy will, will use these, these sort of fleshly tingles, man, to, to get you to, to prompt him to move and almost hear like, yeah, you know, the Lord is in it. He's saying relocate, move. Uh, as far as the church, I'll find one when I get there. Walking out of covering. 
So church, this thing of what Paul is talking about, these qualities that build fellowship with God and fellowship with one another in Christian community, um, just very similar to the fruits of the spirit. Humility means putting Christ first, others second, and self last. Meekness. Now, I don't want us to mistake meekness with kindness or weakness. Not at all. It's power under control. Jesus was meek and lowly in heart. Jesus was the example of meekness. Patience, being able to bear with one another in love. If that gift of prophecy can phantom all mysteries, if the gift of prophecy can phantom all mysteries, mysteries and all knowledge and if I have faith that can move mountains but I do not have love I am nothing if I have if I don't have love I have nothing in my heart to give you okay and that's forbearance and, and regarding unity of the spirit unity of the spirit I read this quote it's so interesting it says get this in fact when a situation is best Satan will move in to wreck it the spiritual unity of a home, a Sunday school class, or a church is the responsibility of each person involved, and the job never ends. It's ongoing, church, right? It's ongoing. So the church, folks, all of us here, and the greater church isn't meant to stand alone. We aren't meant to stand alone. It actually takes those who are willing to join faith to walk together in unity. So it was mentioned in our home group. I want to just take this plug from our home group. It's an amazing home group. Uh, enjoying them. It's a great time. Food, laughter, all is well. It was mentioned in our home group that the armor of God is a picture of the community of God. And I love this because it says, as the shields interlock, the soldiers join together and become a force, a source of strength for one another. So the source of strength is like the mighty powers. And what Paul talks about in Ephesians, he says this, um, and it's comparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength ex he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. It was mentioned and also in our time together that we are to clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, yes, in order to become more like him. And then it was often, and then it was said as well. And I love this text because I do believe it requires faith to, to wear the armor of God and, it, and as well as spiritual endurance, strength. And I wanted to say this, and we got to see with open eyes. I really believe when warfare becomes so personal and it just becomes your warfare, those are, those are warnings there. But when you allow the others to come into that with you, yeah, there's strength in that, right? And I love this scripture. It said, and Elijah prayed, and he's praying with Gehazi. I mean, he's praying because Gehazi is in fear. And he's like, there's a great army right before him. And he's like, oh, oh, this army. You know, he's like, he's like, oh, these Oh, Lord, you know, it's like, have you ever been in a position where you were outnumbered? I have. I've been in a position before where I was outnumbered. And Elijah the prophet just said this. He said, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened his eyes and the servant's eyes. He looked and saw the hills of horses and chariots of fire. 
And all around them, they were surrounded by this heavenly host on this mountaintop, knowing that the Lord is my banner. He's on your side. The Lord is on your side, church. You know, this is warfare done in unity. The Lord is on my side that we can stand side by side. And, and I tell you, um, it gets messy, but it's worth it because when you allow others in there in the mess, boy, I tell you, uh, the mess all of a sudden, man, no longer becomes your mess, man. And then you're able to move on and move into other situations and take more ground. Amen, church. You know what? Derek Prince said this. It's a book that I read called The Spiritfield, uh, the Spiritfield Believer's Handbook. And Derek Prince said this. Said one of Satan's deceptive tactics will have Christians to believe by getting baptized, you have reached the pinnacle of your Christian journey, meaning there is no need to continue to move forward or advance in the kingdom of God. Boy, this is so far from the truth, right? So as each believer walks by faith, those journeys will experience increased opposition. And I even believe Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 16. He says, you know, uh, an open uh, a a door has opened for me. A wide door has opened for me. But he says this, but there are many adversaries. Who? There are many adversaries. Recognize that thing of opposition ahead. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 4, 7 through 16 says this. We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here by, by, uh, by there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheme. And instead, speaking the truth in love, um, we will grow to become in every respect mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself, uh, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does his work. See, the, the church stands together against false teaching, right? One of the enemy's strategies is to invade the church through false doctrine. Um, in Nehemiah, we see this wonderful picture about uh, just the people coming alongside in a project, uh, becoming um, those who are faithful to build this wall in Jerusalem. And so it says this in Nehemiah chapter 416. If you're there, if you have time, you can go back and read this particular chapter. But it says this. The, office, the officers posted themselves behind the people of Judah who were building this great wall. And those who carried materials did their work on one hand and held weapons in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side and he, as he worked. But the man who surrounded the trumpet, I said, but the man, I'm sorry, but the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Their instructions were to continue to fortify the city. But if opposition came, Men were ready to engage in battle. And then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whether you hear the sound of the trumpet, join, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. God will fight for us. Nehemiah knew that he couldn't interrupt the work every time he heard a new rumor, so he set up a defense plan, folks. He set up a defense plan. Praise God, man. Uh, that, that's so crucial. So get this. Half of the men worked on the wall while the other half stood guard. And he, saw, and he saw to it that the people carrying materials also carried weapons. And workers on the wall carried swords. 
The men with the trumpet stayed close to Nehemiah so the alarm could give them to so the alarm could be given immediately. But it was God who fought with them and he alone gave them the victory, church. He alone gave them the victory. This is an amazing text to, re to, to read as an encouragement to stand by others in unity. So in Nehemiah, see the surrounding nations, there were other kings involved who basically taunted their project. They taunted the project of rebuilding this wall of Jerusalem. And, and I really believe this is crucial, folks, when we operate in unity. This is crucial right here. Nehemiah spoke words of encouragement. We need encouragers. We have encouragers here. We have encouragers in the life of the church. And what encourages what, what, they, are, what they are able to tap into, and no matter what they see, they're able to bring you a word that will just begin to be fire to your soul, man. Joe Vecchio, you know, Joe, he's, he's an encourager through and through. Amen. Nehemiah reminded that they were involved in a great work, and he reminded them they were not working alone. You're not doing it alone, church. We're not doing this alone. And even though they couldn't see all their fellow workers on the wall, they understood this. In faith, everyone was doing their assignment as they were assigned, as they were assigned, as they were assigned. This may sound far-fetched, church, but honestly, I believe in my heart a nation is able to pray and stand in unity together. I really believe that. The victory is ours because of Jesus' death on the cross. His resurrection has denounced Satan's schemes. Scripture makes it clear that the enemy host is no match for the Lord who has disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing uh, over them in him. But as the church joins together and takes back the spoils that have been stolen, the kingdom of God will advance from generation to generation. This includes our families. Amen. Hey, I'm preaching to myself. This includes our families. Our communities, this, in, this includes me. I'm praying in my community. Trust me. Uh, I am. And our cities and all the nations throughout the world and the church included. We are praying for churches. Yes, we pray for churches. And I want to reiterate, our war isn't against the church, the people of God. Christians fight unity to believe the best for one another. For one another. We fight unity to believe the best, man, for one another by repentance, by faith and obedience, and operating church in endless love, endless love for others. And remember, remember what Paul said, we must recognize the powerful influence of Satan and sin within the human heart. We, we must acknowledge that, especially our own hearts that need refreshing by a loving father. How many of you need to be refreshed by a loving father? I, I need to be refreshed by a loving Father every day. Yes, Lord. One of my prayers, folks, when I pray is this thing of, who, man. Mm. Oh, God. Create in me a pure heart, oh, God, and a renewed steadfast spirit within me.
the ability to make right with one another disarms Satan's arsenal. It, it disarms his schemes. And Ephesians 4, 22 tells us this. Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on a new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Divisiveness will divide the church and our unity to pray with effective power and will demolish the very things. Says, and will de- so I'm sorry. Our unity will join together, will demolish the very things that are under attack in our lives. Our unity, unity together will demolish the very things that have attacked you and your, your family, your community. Unity will come against those things in power. It says divisiveness will try to creep in. It says, but get this, the war is in front of us. It's real. It is real and it is aggressive. And then it does not have compassion or empathy for the body of Christ. It does not have empathy at all. But I want to close with this. The Lord is our banner. The Lord is our banner, church. Amen. 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 Thank you. You guys just close your eyes for a moment. I think we can have a a word like that and not respond. Something exponential that takes place when Christians choose to fight alongside of each other. We we understand the, the spiritual acceleration that happens when two stand together. Psalmist writes, one sends a thousand to flight and two send 10,000 to flight, meaning the enemy. Something powerful. And I think what happens in our independent thinking is we try to get through things on our own try to fight our own battles. We try to make things happen in our own strength. And I think the Lord would be reminding us today is that you're not called to fight things on your own. Not when you're called to community. Just like a family is not called to fight things on their own. If, if, if one's at war, the entire family is at war. And this is the same for the church, friends. And I pray in the season to come that you understand what this means to not only us as a local church, but us in partnership with the church that Jesus is building. Jesus is coming back for one church. Each and every one of us, united together. And we're going to be doing a a unity series earlier, um, early in the year next year. But man, what a a prophetic glimpse of, of what that will be. We are called to fight alongside of each other. What a powerful thing. Prophetic picture in Nehemiah where, man, we work and we fight. And when that trumpet blows, we go and we help those neighbors who, 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 are, who are fighting. We, we go and help support and fortify. And this is what we're called to do. 
So if you're fighting on your own today, I just want to remind you of the community that you have. If you feel like no one would understand your fight, I want, I want, you to, to, I want to challenge you. Maybe take a chance. <laughs> Invite your brothers and sisters into the fight that you're fighting. I can't tell you how many times I've had to do that with this community. Ask them to come alongside and help Vanessa and I fight the good fight. Lord, we are so thankful that we are not in this alone. We're so thankful that you've called us to be a part of a body. And I'm thankful for, for the word that was given today of, of, of recognizing the enemy's schemes to bring division. Lord, I pray that we are, are um, as we read also in Ephesians 6, to stay alert. Stay alert to his tactics of bringing division within the church that would stop us from fighting alongside of each other. For far too long, the church has been fighting itself, God. And Lord, I pray, Father, that this local church, we will see prophetically how you have called us to fight alongside of each other in this season to come, God fighting the good fight of faith together. No man, no woman left behind, standing for each other in love and the strength of your might, King Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's give Jesus praise. So good. Thank you, Ken. Wonderful word. Appreciate you, brother. Um, hey, can I get Val, Lewis, and John T. up here real quick? Uh, we have a... Uh, a quick testimony, um, this, this team went out to Mexico last week, if you guys remember, um, and man, uh, spiritual warfare is a real thing, and, and it's amazing. People are like, man, why do we have to do a series like this? Because everyone's aware of like what spiritual warfare, and it was like, now see the devil's attacks at, um, around every bend, but um, I'm so thankful for this team who went out to, to minister in, in Guadalajara. Uh, they are going to give their report, um, and then we do have a, a need that we would really like to try to meet. Um, ladies, uh, we would like for you guys to be prepared to give your um, reports and testimonies next week. Uh, we are really excited about all that the Lord did, so please uh, be stirring that in your heart, because I'm probably going to invite all of you up to see what the Lord did, and that will be great. So um, please be ready for that next week. Uh, so I'll start with Val. Yeah. All right. Well, um as usual, it was an exciting trip. Um, just to be able to connect with the people out there, I like the message of unity today because um, the people that, that we've made connections with, that we've partnered with are different denominations. They're not like us, they do things differently, but it's the same message to go to all the world and preach the gospel to our creation. And that's what we're doing. We're partnering with them, going to the streets, uh, going to uh, rehabs and be, being able to tell people about Jesus. And it's been awesome to meet new people, to see what God is doing, continues to do in that region and continues to grow. Um, uh, Casa de Pan has been an amazing, amazing church to open up their doors for us, um, to even allow me to go and, and, and share the message. I thought after April I wouldn't be invited, but, you know, I guess that's a good thing. It's been awesome. Uh, people have been very receptive to prayer, to a whole bunch of uh, uh, things that God is doing out there. Uh, being able to go to the streets, um, share, uh, uh, being able to hand out meals, being able to pray for people, hand out 
uh, blankets. Uh, you guys were a great blessing with the amount of offering that you guys gave. Um, that was just one night, and that continues through the months of November, December, and January, which are the coldest months out there in Guadalajara. Um, but it was amazing to be able to go with these two guys. I mean, Luis was on fire over there. It was, it was crazy. I mean, this guy, I told him, uh, you know, I don't want to put any pressure on you. Just go and, and let the Holy Spirit lead you, which I also told John. But Luis, I mean, after the, I think the second, the first, the first rehab was a women's rehab. But the second uh, rehab was a men's rehab. And Adrian told him, um, would you like to share? And we said, yeah, I'll share for, you know, like a couple minutes. And he was up there for about an hour. Uh, yeah, it was like Adrian, Adrian out there was like, wow, man, look at this guy, you know? So it was amazing because I hadn't heard all of his testimony. We were able to hear that and share with these guys um, who come from, who have a similar background. It was, it was awesome to see. And then John opened up and be able, being able to pray for people. It was good. Um, and then I was just reminded of, of uh, where God has brought me from. Um, and I just wanted to share a quick, uh, a quick verse or passage. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 31. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I just think about where God has brought me, I was no one. I didn't have any influence, nothing. But when we allow Holy Spirit to lead us, wow, it is amazing. God does amazing things. Even before just being able to preach at, at their church, I was nervous. But the Holy Spirit led me. It was amazing to be able to have that call to the altar. And so many people come up and receive and want more. And I just want you to know, don't sell yourself short. Step out in faith, just as these guys did. I mean, especially John. And God can do amazing things with you. Amen. Um, for me, I just want to just express my gratitude to the Lord, uh, just for allowing me to be a, a companion to Val on this trip. I'm thankful for that. John T. came out with us. It was such a blessing. Uh, you know, we went to five rehab centers, and I got to tell you that there was not one person that did not give their soul or made a commitment or a recommitment to the Lord. Uh, just being able to be a witness of, of the Holy Spirit moving, uh, just cleansing these, these heavy burdens that a lot of people carry, these, these, the sin, the rejection, the... Um, the lies that the enemy puts in our minds at times. I'm just thankful that we were able to just witness uh, and, 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 and see that God is still alive. I think sometimes, you know, um, you know, we walk as if we don't serve a living God, you know, but our God is living. He's alive. And, you know, I got to tell you, like Val mentioned, you know, if you can make it to one of these uh, trips with Val, um, 
it's just it's such a privilege to to see what God has put together uh, with our brother uh, Adrian. If you guys have not met Adrian, if you haven't heard of Adrian, you gotta you gotta go look him up. I mean, I never promote social media, but on social media, you see what this guy's all about. Uh, you know, he has been forgiven. He has been rescued from that lifestyle, and he serves the Lord with his heart and soul. And to be able to come alongside of him is such a privilege. To be able to accompany Val, uh, you know, I'm just thankful to just and privileged to see how God is using him uh, for him just stepping up. You know, he shared on Sunday and did an amazing job. And like Val says, we all have a testimony to give. And, you know, we're all unique. We're all different. Trust me, you don't have to be a preacher. You just got to share what God has done in your life, and it will bring encouragement to someone. So... I encourage you that if you can make it, I know a lot of us uh, may have gone to the Ensenada uh, medical uh, uh, missions trip and, and were encouraged. Man, this this other thing with, with Adrian and Val, it's the same on steroids. I encourage you. I encourage you. You know, we go out there to bless people, and we get blessed. And I can't say enough about John. Uh, you know, he went in there like, you know, a little, little worried. He goes, oh, my language, my language barrier. On day two, he was already fluently speaking Spanish. <laughs> I mean, praying for people, giving a witness in front of a church he's never been to. That was amazing. So thank you, John. Yeah, it was my first trip over there. Uh, didn't really know what to expect, honestly. Um, pretty nervous and like scared because I didn't know Spanish uh but like once I was over there I didn't even know we were going to the rehabs honestly uh so when we went there I was like dang like I don't know what to say yeah so um so yeah but I was just I'm just so grateful that like I'm able to pray for people like in English and uh just like know that God's able to like translate my prayer and um Honestly, it's so like it was so good to be like around people that are so welcoming, and start open to like even me like not knowing like Spanish fully, and uh, just like so grateful that like God has spoken to me like in ways that like I've been needing to be spoken to. Um, people like giving words for me, and like they don't even know like what's going on in my life. It's pretty crazy. So I'm just so thankful. Um, but yeah, I just want to uh, go on to what Louis said. Like we all have a story. We all have. Um, Situations that can help people, um, even if you don't think it's, it's significant, it is. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, even if there's like a language barrier, you guys could all come over. And it doesn't start um, over there; it starts here. It starts in our workplaces, in our spheres. And yeah, thank you guys. Awesome. Yeah, let's give the Lord praise. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I want to um, just on the tails of this ask you guys for for. Um, some help. Um, so we minister in Ensenada quite often. You guys hear about a church called Cristo Vive. Uh, there's a pastor who leads a church down there. His name is Jaime Ibarra. And Jaime has been suffering with a lot of uh, medical issues for, for the last year. And so he had surgery earlier on this year. When we were there, when we did our the Mexico equip earlier this year, he uh, had had uh, his appendix had bursted um, and didn't know it for a couple days 
went into emergency surgery, should have been should have been gone, you know, obviously with um, what that does. Um, and he's he's um, well into his 70s now. Uh, he got through it, um, but they had some complications. And so he's been in, in and out of the hospital for almost the entire year. Uh, right now, um, he his, his, he's in the hospital and it's just day by day that his family is being charged and day by day that um, resources have been just depleted from their, their local church, from partnering churches. And so um, we would really love to um, send some money down to help with um, his medical costs. And so he's, they're being charged $600 a day for his medical stay. The last procedure that he had was a $1,900 procedure that they just, they just can't afford it, considering all that they've had to pay out. Um, so we, we would just love to send something to help uh, relieve some of that pressure from this family. And so what I'm going to ask, if, 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 if you guys are willing and if the Lord's prompting your heart to do this, um, uh, if you can grab an envelope, if you want to leave a physical offering, um, please do that. Um, we have uh, an NCMI account linked in, in Mexico. And so we can deposit the money into our, our NCMI account and then get the family the money uh, uh, from there. And so um, if you, if you uh, feel called or led to do that, you can leave a physical offering, grab an envelope, put, um, you can put Mexico or you can put Jaime Ibarra on there. Or you can, if you go on our, on our website, if you go to our special giving, uh, anything that's given today and next week, uh, we will give directly to um, to them so that uh, we they can have a relief of this pressure um, for them. So if I can ask if you guys can stand, we're going to pray for Jaime. Um, and uh, Val led us in prayer this morning. We already did pray, but as a church, and then you guys will be released uh, from here. So thank you guys so much. Um, Luis, can you pray? Amen. Uh Yes, Lord, I uh, just want to thank you, Lord, uh, for this privilege of allowing us to come together in unity with the Spirit, Lord, to honor you, to worship you, to glorify you, Lord. Uh, yes, at this moment, Lord, we just uh, want to gather, Lord, and just pray for our brother Jaime. Uh, just thank you, Lord, for just uh, the ministry that you've given Jaime, Lord, uh, the work that he's put in, Lord. He's been a, a faithful soldier, Lord a faithful member of your body, Lord. And at this moment, Lord, we come together and just lift them up to you again and again and again, Lord. Just asking you, Lord, to just uh, continue to just uh, remind him and let him know that you love him, that you're with him. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, you can just give the doctors and the nursing staff and everyone who is tending to him uh, the, 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 the wisdom and the discernment so they can make good decisions, Lord, over his medical decisions, Lord. And just we pray for his family that they can be encouraged and feel the peace that only you can give, Lord. We just lift them up to you, my God. We lift them up to you. We lift up Cristo vive, Lord, so that they can stand strong and, and be encouraged and know, Lord, that you have not uh, left them or abandoned them, Lord, that you are with them, that you love them, and that you're not going to let them down, Lord, that you are in control of all things, Lord, that the enemy may, may not uh, just lie to them or discourage them. We pray that you just bring your peace, your power, and uh, your holistic uh, blessing over the entire church and our brother Hyman, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Amen. Hey, we love you. Go with God. We'll see you guys this week. Uh, Men, Tuesday evening, we'll see you at 7 p.m. Have a great week, guys.